Welcome to episode nine of the Total uh, Podcast, everybody. Uh, I'm uh, your uh, your usual host, Daniel, with my usual compadres, uh, George and uh, David. We've just looked at the Yoshihiko and Kota Ibushi match um, and um, had um, a pretty in-depth conversation about that. But we're going to continue with some other matches now that are outside of the previous timelines that we've been looking at. Um, and um, these are two very, very different matches indeed uh, from different periods in uh, in Poro history. Um, so um, yeah, the first match that we're going to be um, we're going to be talking about is a match between two of my all-time favorite wrestlers, and um, yeah, it's uh, Billy Robinson versus um, versus Nick Bockwinkle. Um, so um, yeah, um, uh, do, um, do either of you guys sorry have the, um, the the dates on this for people as well? Because I've yes. not got them in front. Yes, of I do. So, so um, if one of you guys wants to fill in the, the dates, that'd be cool. Yeah, this match is um, All Japan Pro Wrestling on the 11th of December 1980. So I believe this makes it the earliest match we have covered on the podcast so far by quite a way. Yeah, so the earliest yeah. match for that would be the the first one. The... Yeah, 1995. Yeah, so, 6 yeah, so we're we're diving kind of um, uh, uh, headfirst into a completely different era now. So if you guys um, have been watching along with us, um, and if, as we hope, some of you have never seen Japanese wrestling before, um, this match might require a fair bit of context for you, um, especially um, as regards both of the guys that are involved in it. Now, um, I'll I'll be honest. Um, this match was chosen by by myself um, uh, to watch. Now, this match very much reflects. Um, Kind of, I suppose, where some of my tastes are at uh, in, in not just Japanese wrestling, but in pro wrestling in, in general um, um, at the moment. Um, that's not to say that everything you'll see in this match is fully representative of everything I love. I don't just watch old old school matches like this, but they do have at the moment a very special place in, in my heart, especially because of the two participants in, in here, as I mentioned. Um, so I think maybe it might be a good idea for me to maybe give a little bit of background on, on both guys to start off with. Would, would that work, do you think, guys? Yeah, yeah go on. Okay, cool. So we're going to start with Billy Robinson. Now, uh, uh, last of the summer wine music, queued up, ready to go. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> Billy Robinson is an incredibly important wrestler to me, and he's an incredibly important wrestler to me for several different reasons. Um, uh, and I will say as well that he's not just an, an individual. He's not just important to me individually. He's also incredibly important for the development historically of professional wrestling in Japan as well. Um, but just to go back before that, before Billy Robinson ever gets to Japan, um, he was um, let, uh, a straight up uh, a shooter. This guy was trained um, at uh, Billy Riley's um, gym. Um, uh, just outside of uh, Wigan, uh, near near Manchester, um, and um, there's a great video on YouTube which we'll try and put in the um, in, in the information of the show on SoundCloud and, and iTunes and things like that, which gives you a link to um, I think it might have even been the BBC or, or some other documentary crew that went and actually um, uh, watched Billy Robinson training uh, with with Billy Riley in what is essentially a wind-beaten corrugated iron shack in the middle of an allotment in Northwest England. Okay. Um, and this is at a time well before um, my hometown, um, um, Manchester, was this kind of um, cosmopolitan post-IRA bomb city of culture. Hail Baba. Um, it, you know, it was um, this, this was at a time when um, the, the dark satanic mills, uh, that's what we're famous for, was uh, at that time was um, was cotton mills, were in, in, in full effect still, especially in areas on the outskirts, these little satellite towns like Wigan. And that sounded so patronizing, little satellite towns, but I'm from the big city, so fuck those yokels. Uh, Wigan, Oldham, Bury, places like that. Now, Billy Robinson was trained by Billy Riley in, in Catcher's Catch Can. So if you ever have seen a lot of stuff from the Attitude Era, if you ever hear Jim Ross talking about Catcher's Catch Can wrestling, 
this is what he's talking about. Now, catch wrestling is still used today uh, by um, students of Billy Robinson. The likes of um, Josh Barnett is one of the most famous practitioners. Um, Shayna Baszler as well um, uses catch wrestling in her mixed martial arts. And she's now incorporating that into the stuff she does in Japan with stardom. Um, and really, Billy Robinson is the thing that connects uh, 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 the uh, the old school um, English uh, shoot wrestlers with the modern uh, pro style. Um, and as I say, hugely influential in Japan. Alongside Gotch, he's one of the biggest influences on UWFI um, um, as well, that, that style. Um, um, those guys exchanged a lot of ideas and Robertson did some training for them as well. Um, so a guy whose style is based... Um, not just on excellent mat work and, and, and fantastic legitimate holds, but this is a guy also who, unlike some shooters, excelled as a pro wrestler as well. The idea that Billy Robinson's matches are only made up of of shoot um, and um, you know technical stuff is not is not true. This guy could throw bombs with the best of them. He had great strikes, incredible pro style suplexes, um, and just knew how to string a really great, aggressive, psychologically good match together. Um, so for me, he's really important because when I was watching wrestling when I was growing up, I only, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't find out about world of sport and British wrestling until much later on, um, oh. really. And the, the reason for that was because, and still to this day, uh, it's getting a bit better now with Progress and, and ICW and, and Rev Pro and the renaissance in current British wrestling. But when we were growing up, because we're all kind of similar, um, a similar age, or at least the same generation, when we were growing up, my parents would laugh at me about me watching wrestling because they associated wrestling with either Hulk Hogan or if they'd watched English wrestling growing up, the two names you always get. And I'm not having to go at these guys because in some ways that I like them and we've supported some of the one of those entering the Hall of Fame with Meltzer. But Big Daddy, Giant Haystacks. Yeah. They're the yeah. two things that would get thrown. Oh, you like wrestling? What, like Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks? My, my uncles and, and that, and my, my aunties, they still say that to me. That's the thing that they think about wrestling. And to discover that there was a whole other world of, of, of pro wrestling from Britain that was influenced by guys like Robinson that is connected to that old martial art, really, Western martial art tradition, um, blew my fucking mind. And it made me feel really, really, really proud as well that he was from the area that I'm from and that the art that he did was from that area as well. So that's a massively lengthy introduction about um, about Robinson and how important he is to me. Uh, so I don't know about you guys. I don't know about when the first time you heard of, of Billy Robinson was or, or what your experience well, was. Maybe I can I, pause there because I've said a lot. Well, I, I have a, quite a funny anecdote about um, about one of sport when you know how you were talking about how people always just relate it back to Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks. And I'm, I'm as big a Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks fan as anybody. But it is, it is oh, very yeah, much yeah, what you yeah. get. But I remember last year, Remember when the Shikara UK tour happens? Yeah. They had a, it was a Johnny, Johnny yeah, yeah. Kid and Quackenbush and Johnny Kid's last ever match. Yeah, I, I was at that actually. Yeah, so that was on the Saturday and the Glasgow one was on the Monday. So and it was a bank holiday. So I was at seeing my granddad uh, went over and he was at what what are you doing for the bank holiday? I was like, I'm I'm going to the wrestling, I'm going to see uh, yeah, I'm going to the wrestling for Shikara. He says, Ah, the wrestling I remember it used to be on T V it used to be this one guy I remember, Johnny, Johnny Kids. And I was like, what is it, Johnny? I remember Johnny Kids. He was really good. It says he wrestled last night. So what? He's like, he's like yeah, he did. It was his last match yesterday. He said, no, that can't possibly be. No, nope. absolutely. That reminds me of um, that. That's really weird. Like it's 
because you you don't often get people come out with names like that when they talk about British wrestling. It's like when I was um, mm. talking. Um, uh, I went to see uh, years ago. I went to see Frank Turner in uh, in Darlington. First and last time I've gone to Darlington, and um, <laughs> I me- I mentioned to someone that I was going to go and see Frank Turner, and they were like, "Oh, uh, from Million Dead." And I was like, well, yes, but um, <laughs> at the same time, that's not yeah. what he's most but, known but, for. But more latterly, of Megastar fame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah, so it's just, like, I mean, like, Billy Robinson, I only heard of him very, very, like, um, I mean, we discussed in episode one about we all kind of had a break where we all kind of had other interests in our life and came back to it. It was only after I had that, it, I would only say it was maybe last three, four years that I really grasped, you know, Billy Robinson, you know, and his influence, because before then, I mean, I knew of Lou Fez, everyone knew of Lou Fez, purely yeah. because Jim Ross mentioned him all the time, but you never, you never really got Billy Robinson mentioned that much. I think that's kind of changed now, but um, yeah, it's only been the last couple of years that I've really found out about Billy Robinson and the influence, and you can clearly see his influence on so many yeah. people. I, I first heard of him as a trainer, not as a wrestler, um, yeah. I believe in the yeah. context of him training um, Sakuraba, who uh, we mm. gushed over uh, very much in yeah, episode yeah. four and to a lesser extent in episode six. Um, and mm. also, yeah, yeah, as Daniel said, you think of the people that he has uh, trained, and probably, and this might surprise you if you didn't know about Billy Robinson, the, probably the most well-known of his trainees at the moment is um, uh, Jack Gallagher, on uh, Raw mm. and 205 Live, that uh, wacky posh British man who goes around with an umbrella <laughs> and does spots yeah. involving the umbrella and jumping on people with the umbrella like Mary Poppins. Um, that guy is yeah. a legit shooter who was yeah. trained yeah. by uh, Billy Robinson and he was actually one mm. of the last graduates of uh, said Snake Pit uh, gym in mm. Wigan. And it's yeah. amazing to think that yeah. someone with that... Uh, great, a legitimate background is. I'm not going to say stuck doing this wacky gimmick because I actually really enjoy it. Oh, but yeah. at the same time, there's <laughs> yeah. quite a, a disconnect between that real uh, pedigree in terms of who trained him and what he's doing now. But you know, he's making like presumably decent coin out of it, and it is entertaining. So like, no, no. Yeah. Similar, um, yeah. Santino, Santino Morella was like mm. he was in, he like studied with all the guys in Battle Arts, and like he runs a Battle yeah, Arts dojo yeah, now. Yeah. Like yeah, really, the guy does the cobra. Yeah, this is one of my this is one of my biggest like um. There's some things because wrestling is such a a kind of multifaceted thing, and there's so much of it going on, and we have so much of it pumped into our eyeballs now through YouTube and stuff that people forget that there are some there is some mad shit happening, and one of them is that Santino Morella, comedy Italian, Santi, comedy cod Italian Santino, right? Who I used to enjoy. I, I like oh, this I, I actually, but it was a funny comedy wrestler. I thought it was really good, but um. He now runs Battle Arts North America <laughs> with fucking um with with, with, with fucking uh, 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 Ishikawa, yeah. isn't it? Or is it um or is yeah, it or is it, or is it uh, the other one? Um, uh, yeah, like I'm sure. Is it, I'm, yeah, yeah, is it, yeah, 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 yeah. And they just hang out in 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 fucking like um uh, like Canada and that and like fighting and and, and and like teaching people to fight and then putting on pro wrestling shows. Fucking mental. It, it's 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 actually like it's it's you can't really overstate. Robinson's um, not just his influence in Japan, but also his renown. Um, uh, Mako Satomura, who was uh, over in uh, in the UK, um, she when she was announcing she was booked by a pro wrestling Eve, uh, she uh, said something to the effect of she wanted to come to the UK 
ever since she was 19. And it was because it's where Billy Robinson uh, is from. Like, apparently she really yeah. wants to go to Wigan. <laughs> I, I, if she, she if we don't get a picture well. of her outside the DW Stadium with a pasty, I'm going to be livid. Far be it from me to tell uh, uh, to tell a woman what she wants to do. Uh, you know, uh, especially not Miko Satamura, she'll fucking break my neck. Uh, but, uh, yeah, um, let, let's just say that Wigan is recreationally limited. <laughs> that sounds like a euphemism for I got some shit weed. <laughs> Funnily enough, I did. Funnily enough, I did buy some shit weed in Wigan, <laughs> but that's a totally separate story. Let's not go into that. Allegedly, yeah, allegedly. What else is there in Wigan? You know what else is in Wigan? Dave Whelan <laughs> sitting in a chair, slowly dying, uttering racist tidbits <laughs> as they tumble out of his stupid black hole of a puckered up dog's ass mouth. Sorry, I don't like that. Dave that's the only two things to come out of Wigan. Hey, oh, there's donk. Yeah, 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 yeah. This, I cannot wait for like all the people that know that, that picked us up through like the PWO board to be saying, "Dunk, dunk, what the fuck?" So, oh god! Yeah. But yeah, like he's yeah, dog, dog, That's a yeah, dog. Billy Robinson, and uh, known very much for his um, matches with Antonio Inoki in the early stages of uh, of New Japan. In fact, the reason he ended up in All Japan, uh, working as some sort of uh, sub commandante under under Giant Barber, um, is. Because um, Inoki stiffed him on a payment. I don't know why the fuck you would stiff someone who was as as nails as Billy Robinson. And um, yeah, and uh, and um, Robinson jumped to all Japan and basically immediately put Barber over out of spite, <laughs> which I don't think he'd ever done with Inoki. And uh, no, he's he's helping the cause. <laughs> absolutely, he's yeah. doing it for the lads. Um, so yeah, that's that's Robinson. Um, I don't know if Dan, you wanted to tell us a little bit about because uh, I you're a huge Nick Bockwinkle fan. Yeah, yeah. So um, a lot of fans um, of, of of modern sort of mainstream wrestling, um, if you're into your WWE and stuff like that, um, you might have um, you might have heard of Bockwinkle mentioned before because um, he's been mentioned um, on quite a lot of retrospective um, uh, documentaries and things that WWE have put out. Um, a hugely important uh, 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 wrestler in, in, in American um, wrestling history, actually. Um, and um, for me, um, I think I actually had him down at something like number six or something in my uh, greatest wrestler ever um, uh, ballot for, 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 for PWO. Um, so I, so I, I really, really think of this guy um, incredibly highly. Um, now, Botwinkle's most famous um, for, um, uh, for being um, um, really... The, the main guy and certainly the main champion that people associate with the uh, the AWA, which was Vern Gagne's, um, uh, I never get to say that pronounced that right, but I think that's correct. Ver, Vern Gagne's um, uh, sort of um, uh, uh, Minnesota uh, uh, or, or Minneapolis-based um, promotion, um, which was really acting um, in terms of um, the heavyweight title. That was one of the um, the, the sort of the, the three titles um, at the time during the territorial era that was usually by the aftermags and, and other sort of um, uh, um, organs of, of wrestling journalism, considered to be one of the most important uh, of, of all the world titles. Um, so you would have your, your NWA title, um, and then you would have uh, later on um, uh, when uh, Jess, um, uh, sorry, uh, Vince uh, McMahon um, Jr. eventually broke from um, the, uh, the NWA, you would have the, um, uh, the, uh, the WWF title, moving on to the WF title, uh, and then you have your NWA champion um, as well. Um, now, Bockwinkle, um, in my opinion, is, is probably my ideal. If I was booking a, a, a wrestling company now, um, I would probably try and base um, maybe my, my first um, uh, heel champion. Um, um, I, I, would, I would book him in a similar way to how Bockwinkle was booked. And I would hope, certainly, that they, they would carry themselves with the kind of um, 
gravitas and, and import that uh, that Botwinkle carried himself with because Botwinkle, um, un- unlike Robinson, um, I would actually argue that while I don't think it would be in any way arguable that um, that uh, Botwinkle was a better technical wrestler than Billy Robinson, a few people in the world were a better technical wrestler than Billy Robinson. Um, Botwinkle is a better all-round professional wrestler, um, and I say that in, in the sense of um, his uh, his his promos, his interviews are legendary, and that is a word that yeah. is that is overused, especially not, in wrestling. Not even just days. his promos oh. and interviews. Have you ever listened to him like out of character interview? So like I remember the yes. um, live mm. audio wrestling did one with him, and it was um, mm. it was really really good. That was and great. It, yeah, and it was. Um, he really summarised the the idea of like Hogan not like wanting mm. to put people over and things like that, and like the older generation is the idea of like mm. um, people like you know, he put he put it into a really simplistic um, metaphor of a bus where yeah. if all the people <laughs> stay yeah. on the bus and don't want to get off, nobody mm. else can get on the bus. I fucking had so, that tonight. Come yeah. back from work. <laughs> <laughs> But, you need to put more people over, George, on your commute. I mean, I, goddamn I, politician, George Thompson. I, I have, I have very limited knowledge of Botquinkle. I've seen like AWA documentaries and things like that, but in terms of actual like, footage I've seen of him, I know very little of him. The, which yeah, Daniel yeah. is probably, you know, trying to reach for the screen to grab me, but um, no, not, like, at not at all. When I listened to the interview, like he's got such a great mind for wrestling. He's so he's so yeah. intelligent about the business. Yeah, Even, like his yeah. his promos actually. I I can't remember who said this, but um, they were making the argument that um, Bockwinkle was a better promo than Flair, and their reasoning was that oh. um, Ric Flair's promos made you feel poor, and Bockwinkle's mm-hmm. promos made you feel dumb, and it's easier to get more money. Yeah. Than it is to get less yeah. dumb. Now, I mean, whoever was arguing this clearly hadn't read um, uh, Carol Dweck's educational psychology papers on intelligence ascent that can be acquired, <laughs> be that as it may. Um, but the, um, the, the thing about. Bunch of losers. Yeah, I don't know what a bunch of nerds. But um, the th- yeah, the thing about Bockwinkle was he really put a lot of effort into his, his promos. He's clearly a smart guy. But he he wanted yeah, to sound like sorry. a really intelligent person on his promo. So what he did, uh, he read a lot as well uh, backstage. And whenever yeah, he read something well and read. he came across a word he didn't know, um, he used mm. to he had a dictionary he used to carry with him, and he looked the word up in the dictionary, and then he would jot it down on a little bit of uh, paper, and um, he would endeavour to get it into his promos, thinking that well if he yeah. didn't understand it, then the chances were the were the average punter who was listening to him wouldn't mm. understand it either also mm. very fond of him uh repop i think he repopularized the phrase pencil neck geeks after uh after the legendary freddie blassie who we might come into in a later episode yeah i think another thing we should um we should mention before we uh get and talking to the match because we've touched on it a little bit about um about uh gaijin the um the foreign wrestlers mm. in japan but i think the only foreign wrestler we have covered so far who's actually had a match would be Vader um, back in episode six. Yes, I, I think, think so. That's right. And think, um, yeah. now, now um, Gaijin is, um, it, it's different to the word foreigner in English. It, uh, it means foreign, but there's also, um, it's, it's quite a pejorative term. The, there's a new, more neutral word for foreigner, which is uh, Gaikokujin, which, uh, you know, it, it's, it's very similar, but that's more neutral word. Gaijin is quite pejorative. And so you could argue is a foreign face in Japan, 
truly a gaijin. But that brings me on to my next point is that all Japan were quite um they were quite groundbreaking in terms of pushing uh, Western wrestlers as not just as heels mm. as they traditionally have been ever since the Rikidozan days, but also as faces. You had the uh, angle where uh, the destroyer, um, because he had lost a match to Barber, was forced to move to Japan, which he actually did as a shoot, um, mm. and stayed there for stayed there for <laughs> three years um, and uh, become his partner. And you also had uh, Dory and Terry Funk uh, being pushed mm-hmm. as faces. Yeah. And um, this was something that was actually very uh, groundbreaking. I think the only person who would have been, the only American who would have been pushed as a face before that would have been way back in the mid-50s, Harold Sakata, who's the guy who played Oddjob. And he was was a Hawaiian, but of Japanese Uh, heritage. So you could argue that only counts halfway as being pushed as a a gaijin face. So, um, yeah, he, yeah. He, he at least had that, that, that connection that, that could be called on yeah, to. Yeah, you know, exactly. it was a little bit different. And uh, so I think this is quite interesting that All Japan was certainly not shy about doing all foreigner matches, of which this is why, I mean, these guys had over 200 uh, matches where they were either tagging or more often as opponents. And most of these were in um, America and uh, sometimes in Canada. Uh, but this was basically um, a, an American or like, you know, but, uh, Robinson's British, but you know, a Western match uh, between Western wrestlers yeah. transplanted into a Japanese promotion that sets up a really interesting dynamic. It, it does absolutely, and um, um, uh, that that actually um, uh, uh, just brings me back briefly before we talk about the match to some of the other things I was going to mention about about Bockwinkle. So I'm, I'm glad you said that actually. Um, uh, just for a bit of a bit of context about this as well, um, Billy Robinson um, is is probably most associated with, in America as well. I'd say with the AWA as as well as Botwinkle. So um, Robinson did a lot of his work um, um, in in the AWA. Um, he has some. Um, um, there's um, I'll maybe try and um, if I remember put a list together of stuff because with these guys guys being older wrestlers. Um, I'd like maybe to put a list of things that people can watch together if they want to investigate them more. Uh, but there's some wonderful um, um, footage of him, of him out there in various different promotions. Um, but the thing with, with Botwinkle was, as I said before, uh, he, he was a more, I think, I think Robinson was, was, was an instinctive ring psychologist and he could always fall back on shooting. If he needed yeah. to, and I don't mean that he would shoot on the guys. Although he, he would, he would sometimes, he was a bit of a bastard. <laughs> um, but Botwinkle was someone who obviously had some some good rudimentary um, um, amateur skills, like anyone did in, in, in those days, or a lot of guys did in those days, certainly. Um, but as an in-ring psychologist, um, for me, Bockwinkle is is one of the very best. Um, and there is a, a big debate because these guys were um, roughly contemporaneous as well, um, um, especially these days, now that more people are watching footage of, of Bockwinkle, about who was the better wrestler, Flair or Botwinkle? Now, to me, I kind of think that that's it's you're comparing in some ways you're comparing apples and oranges because Ric Flair is I mean I, I adore Ric Flair. Um, Ric Flair's just got a different approach to psychology. Some people don't yeah. like that approach. Some people think it's over the top. It's goofy. It's repetitive. Um, I take a little bit of a different view, and I kind of think that that's just a Flair match. And when you watch a Flair match, you get a Flair match, and you need to be cool with that and you'll enjoy yeah. it more. Uh, um, but yeah, Botwinkle, yeah. we'll maybe talk about this in, in some of this match. Botwinkle, if you watch some of his old AWA stuff, was an incredibly versatile in-ring psychologist. He um, um, can, can work ridiculously um, over-the-top stiff brawls against the likes of uh, Wahoo, um, or he can work um, very famously um, a full, psychologically very layered match against an upcoming Kurt Henry. Yeah, the 60-minute um, draw, yeah. Uh, which is the famous 60-minute yeah. draw, uh, which is a phenomenal match, which I absolutely love. Uh, but yeah, so 
we are talking about two guys, I think, who are um, who are on on the same level, uh, but bring different different things to to the yeah, table. Yeah, absolutely. I think just before we launch into the match, one more anecdote. I don't know who out there has played. Um, uh, Total Extreme Wrestling or TEW which I would wholeheartedly recommend if you haven't it is very complex but mm. basically think of it as like a football manager but you're you're booking a wrestling promotion which as you can imagine is entirely yeah. up my street and um, someone for not the most recent iteration but the one before that did a very very detailed uh, 1970 mod with about 1500 wrestlers of the era on it researched in obviously honestly terrifying detail and um obviously hey, being the yeah go on well sorry i was going to say that i'm i'm going to be the hipster prick here and say i prefer the predecessor extreme warfare revenge because it's a bit more basic it's just more text-based and I always, yeah i was I, always a bit they because it's been going for so long though it is it is mystifying how how much research have people put into because they've got like 15 it, years to update the database and it, it's it's insane because th- yeah this mod has got it's got a detailed biography of Eurikidos and Zinuel Santos um but also like world of sport undercarders and guys who like never worked outside of Hawaii and stuff like that but like <laughs> I I started a game as uh, JWA obviously being the poor mark that I am and um then I realized I looked at the database like oh Fuck, I don't recognise a lot of these names, which is to say most of these names. Uh, but the roster was a bit thin, so I basically decided to bring in some people I had heard of and who I knew that in real life had either done good stuff in Japan or in later years, uh, years later than 1970, would go on to do so. So two of the first names I signed were Carl Gotch, who we mentioned before, and Billy Robinson. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to I'm going to have like Gotch and Robinson as the deadly shooter tag team. And basically all that happened was that um, they just started fights backstage the whole time. Like <laughs> you, 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 you're equivalent of like the assistant manager. Your you, you, TW, TW Pat Rice would come up to you and uh, say, oh, Botwinkle's beat the fuck out of Michi Yoshimura backstage again. And you go, God, God damn it. Um <laughs> I also tried to sign Nick Bockwinkle, and I signed him, and then realised like he worked for AWA the exact nights my show was run, and so I could just never <laughs> use him. I was just paying him a big paycheck. Does that mean in the game you just can't use but him? You know what? He deserves <laughs> yeah. a big paycheck just for being Nick Bockwinkle. Yeah, fucking right. So yes, yeah. Um, uh, I, yeah. It's, it's. I was going to say it's also worth pointing out before we look at the match as well that Bockwinkle actually uh, died a couple of years ago now. Um, so um, some people might have seen um, there was I think a brief tribute maybe for him um, on 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 an episode of yeah. Raw. You know those little like yeah. minute long, two minute long things they, they definitely they do. do. Um, I do remember it. I thought yeah, I thought they did. So yeah, I was just checking actually. It was November 2015 uh, actually. So um, not not that long ago at all. Uh, just over a year. Um, yeah. in, in, in fact, since he uh, since he died. So yeah, um, uh, it's a real shame as well because I think towards the end of his life. Um, I think he had. I don't know whether it was Alzheimer's or or something like that. He his his mental health deteriorated quite a bit as well. So quite quite sad, but um, a a a good life and one hell of a career. Yeah. So um, should we get into talking about the match? Yeah. Um, the yeah, one let's, thing let's I go. would say um, at the outset, uh, I just noticed a few things about the um, uh, the pre match. Robinson's got on for, for all that we've said. Oh. Uh, Billy Robinson, a, a great technical wrestler, he took his craft very seriously. And if you saw Ooh. what Jack Gallagher was doing on Raw, he would probably shoot murder him. Having oh, said God, that, yeah. um, he comes out of the ring wearing this um, technical dream coat with billowy, billowy blue Michael Flatley sleeves. <laughs> uh, it's so good. Oh, 
like it's I swear to God, man, I did not. Ex- like, I don't know why. Ex- I, what I expected him to be wearing, but it was not that. Um, <laughs> the 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 other thing I noted was um, I, I don't know who these these bloody young lions are, but um, there was a right palaver trying to get the streamers out of the ring <laughs> to the point where it all, almost becomes comical. And this is where I make a case for, and this is quite a niche interest in wrestling, but I always notice who's the best at getting streamers out of the ring. I don't know what this says about me, but and the conclusion I've come to is that um, uh, Jungle Kiona in uh, in Stardom is the absolute oh, best streamer no, gatherer upper in the world, which yeah. is which is because she's like quite she's quite a big lass in some ways, and she 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 doesn't show m- much of a turn of speed in her matches. Sometimes you give her some fucking streamers to pick up, and she's in and out of there like oh. a shot. It's actually incredibly she's like, she's genuinely impressive. Like... Yeah. Like a fairy top of drain pipe. I just want to ask one thing. How did you watch this? Um, uh, me. Yeah. How did you? How did you two watch with, this? With with my eyes. I think I watched it on YouTube or Daily Motion. Right. Yeah, it was Daily Motion for me. Right. Okay. Because <laughs> I I think I watched a different version from you. <laughs> because I I like. <laughs> you watched the one from a different yeah, year. Yeah, you watched the <laughs> 1990 UWFI match when the both no, really no, off and so still really one, angry. Right? Because I had a moment where I thought, hold on, have I watched the wrong fucking match? Right. But no, <laughs> no, because my my thing, my uh, match, it literally was um, them in the ring, the bell rings. And then I thought this was like some sort of satire about like Japanese tape trade, and I don't know if this happened on yours as well. <laughs> but they literally circled for three seconds, and then it clipped. I fucking loved it. But even before the opening, the opening hold, they had clipped <laughs> it. It just was like some sort of like joke on tape traders, a satire of like Japanese television editing. I, I would, I would See, watch that. Is... I would produce that satire. Be up there with the best thing Jonathan Swift ever wrote. <laughs> 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 oh man like but no I, I i'm actually perpetually unsure if we have the whole batch of this because i've seen about three or four different versions of it uploaded in mm. the past and i'm sure there's there's clipping in it yeah as well i mean see I see what see happens any, it's very weird because i couldn't see any other clipping like that was the only one there's literally like four seconds well, this, yeah well this is this this is the thing with me is that i'm i'm sure it, that i've seen stuff on maybe cage match or the place like that where it, it has the match it being uh, quite a few minutes longer mm. um but also as you say it seems the oddest of places to have any clipping if, if, if <laughs> it, really it is, is. And uh, you know that like so, when we've been editing these i i understand you want to get rid of like stuff that doesn't necessarily need to be there so sometimes i like take out like gaps or silences yeah. or things like that it was just mm. literally the first before they'd even done one move they had clipped the match <laughs> <laughs> yeah I couldn't believe it it's like mm. it's like it's like yeah. those people who like, arrive at football matches late to beat the traffic yeah, yeah. yeah. like fucking like, like, like half our stadium gone. the other night uh, <laughs> um, yeah yeah only took us 15 minutes to fill it after we got the turnstiles working <laughs> uh, anyway like, the, uh, um, stop scamming fucking barcode <laughs> yeah, like, oh, don't even don't, don't even get me started on the fucking barcode things at the end. Don't even get me started. Um, like we'll be here for we'll be here all so, day. So, that's that's another personal battle that no one wants to hear about. So the the first the first thing I noticed about this um, was now we've been great advocates here on the podcast before. I think of um, interesting uh, 
mat work. Not your not your Randy Orton uh, rear chin lock for five minutes until the ab break's finished, or the Alberto Del Rio kicks your arm at once, and that's the same as working his overall match. Um, <laughs> no, what, um, that's the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, let's see if he can uh, see his destiny being fucking killed by Ricky Knight. A cruel cop. Oh, uh, God. If the, if, 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 if the fetid speedball that uh, Paige cranks into his arm in a fucking horrendous, like, uh, Guadalajara dive hotel at four in the morning after they've fucking been hanging out with very questionable company doesn't kill him first. Allegedly. Sorry, everyone. You, you, you leave Mike Bailey out of this. <laughs> allegedly, 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 John Belushi. All I'm saying. Allegedly. Um, allegedly. So, um, there's some Winkle, Um, you know, like um, you go around your neighbour's house and they've got this little dog, and you know, like. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I'm really me. excited to see where this is going. <laughs> yeah. You got this little dog, and you know, like, I oh, he he he's he probably couldn't he, he couldn't rip your throat out. That's not what he's for. But at the same time, <laughs> he'll either get his get his teeth round like the sleeve of your new jumper you got for Christmas, or he'll start trying to fuck your leg, and you will not be able to get the little bastard off you. I'm sorry, did that... you listen to episode five? Right, because that is basically <laughs> the entire story of episode five. <laughs> oh god. Um. So um. Yeah, that's Nick Bockwinkle in this match. Um, he holds on to an arm lock from Robinson yeah. through an attempted arm drag, and um, yeah. it's um, <laughs> then Robinson does uh, some sort of low angle abdominal stretch, and uh, as soon as he gets out, Bockwinkle just goes back to the same arm lock, and I think the best, the thing I like most about this, he's clearly getting so much joy <laughs> out of this arm lock. He's just grinning away, just having a great time. Is it? Is it at the start where they do? He does a hammerlock to him, and then Robinson like counters it like three times. He just ends up back and they they spin round and come back round, and he's still in the hammerlock. Oh like, yeah, like I I yeah. love spots like that. It's yeah. um, it's like you ever see that PWG match, um, where uh Daniel Bryan and uh, Cesaro. Yes, uh, the headlock work, match. Yeah, oh, they they match. work a headlock for thirteen minutes. Oh, okay, right. I've, I've, I've never seen this match before. It's the most right? avant-garde I've heard match about of wrestling. It's, it's totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's totally thirteenth note. It's like it's such an avant-garde. <laughs> it's just this one singular focus. Actually, there is there was a WWE match like that last year. Um, Kevin Owens versus Dolph Ziggler main event. Yeah. Kevin Owens just screamed "Headlock City" over and over <laughs> again, and just continuously put on this headlock. It was great. But I know the one you're talking about. The best part about that was um, so they, they and there's this worked spots around the headlock and like it's really good. Um, but apparently in the next match on the card, one of the wrestlers did a headlock and this guy in the crowd just shouted no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember that. it was literally like twi- thirty minutes of a headlock. And then he got out and then rolled them up for the pin. No, was that? <laughs> <laughs> oh fucking hell! That's oh, because you see, I, I've 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 seen and it's rare that there's this kind of crossover. But I've seen um, both people um, in 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 um, on places like PWO and, and other places um, hate on that match, and I've also seen um, the uh, the mutants at the Fighting Spirit magazine. <laughs> um, uh, but shit, sorry. If anyone that li- listens to this is in that is, is in that, uh, that that uh, that group on that page, I've just alienated like fucking. Hey, everyone. it's great but, when uh, you're on you the know. train to Edinburgh. That's all I've seen. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or, or when Naomi wins the women's title. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah. Uh, anyway, l- l- less said about that, the better. Uh, but um, yeah. So um, I, they both equally seem to hate on it whenever it was mentioned um, uh, as much. So uh, there's probably other voices on both those that those those forums and, and that page that, um, that 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 stand up for it as well. But I'm intrigued to see that. It's, it's, like, um, yeah. it's totally like um. Oh, what's her name? Oh, Tracy Emmons' bed. You know, everybody hated Tracy yeah. Evans' bed. Like, Carl Andre's bricks. This? this is just yeah, you know, what, yeah. This is just nonsense, and it, it is yeah. it's just totally out there and wacky. It is I I call it, this the wrestling avant garde. That's the example I yeah. always use. I mean, this, this yeah, isn't this yeah. isn't particularly wacky. It's just you know, like like tie an onion t- oh. to your belt. It was the style at the time, and uh, <laughs> Bob Winkle was was particularly good at. Just grabbing a, a, a part, and as I've said, that, that sounds very wrong, and uh, not letting go. Um, but they—it's not just that this match. They do—they um, do throw in the bombs, but they build to them. It's a bit where Robinson hits a yeah. rude awakening for one, which is really weird <laughs> if you've watched Hulkamania <laughs> yeah. era WWF, and that was a yeah, killer move. Yeah. But one of the things yeah. is the struggle to execute moves early on, um, such yeah. as yeah. Um, a butterfly suplex, or even something as basic as a hip toss. Um, you really get the sense of a struggle between these yeah. two men, and I really like that. Um, later on, um, the other good thing is it does build upon uh, the early spots. It's not just you do some mat work. Right now, it's time to do dives. Right now, it's time to do near falls. You know, it's all part of the same package. Mm-hmm. Um, when yeah. uh, Robinson tries a hip toss after said rude awakening, and it gets countered back into the same arm lock once again from Bockwinkle, and Bockwinkle um, starts trying to wrench his arm out of its sockets, which yeah. I can guarantee yeah. you is something that people at the Snake Pit try to do uh, to Billy Robinson for realsies. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, at this point, what I wanted to do, because we're, we're beginning to now, um, uh, we, we've detailed how... This match starts out in a manner which I know for a fact, um, and it's you know it's it's it just this is just the way that things evolve. Um, that an awful lot of fans um, who've maybe not seen this this style of wrestling before, haven't seen these two guys, haven't watched this this much stuff from this time period even or anything. My worry with this is that I'm I'm an incredibly passionate advocate for the work that these two guys do in their careers, and also for this this kind of wrestling. Um, I like wrestling that, as you've said, uh, builds to something. And it doesn't just um, it doesn't just stick in as much stuff as possible. Um, um, sort of um, uh, uh, because the, um, what I love about this is that there's um, there's a connection which I don't think is there anymore between fans and wrestlers. Um, and I don't think this is just a Japanese thing. Uh, I don't think this is just a Japanese thing. Um, I think that there is, and I don't mean a connection as in whoever watches this has to like it or or, or enjoy it. I mean that I think there is. Um, a level of understanding um, of how matches are built and how they are, are begin to be paced um, that I think was kind of... I think that in some ways fans had a little bit more patience. Yeah, I think so. Well, I, I just want to ask Daniel, have you stolen my notes? Because this is literally... This, this what you're talking about, is literally my <laughs> entire contribution to this because I have some thoughts <laughs> on this, right? It, it it's quite it's quite broad, right? It's good and bad, right? Okay. But I, I'm I'm gonna give them for the final thoughts, but I totally understand where you're coming from, and yeah. I agree with yourself about this. But 
I'll, I'll let you continue on with this, but in my final thoughts, I do have I have like some philosophical debate. Are these thoughts that are going this? to need? Uh, are these going to have to wait until the end of our match run down? You're going to start talking about ghost shits again? No, 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 no ghost shits this time. <laughs> I, I swear, no, we're fine. No. Yeah, no, no, but uh, yeah, yeah, and 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 this is one of the reasons why I wanted to include this match as well, and for the people that are listening to this podcast at home and that have been following us in in what we've been talking about. I wanted to include a match like this as well, um, simply because I'm not someone who um, I'm not someone who thinks that there is a right or wrong way to do professional no. wrestling. People kind of sometimes get that idea, I think, when they chat to me, and um, it's it, it's really not the case. I, I have a very diverse range of wrestling that I like, um, and it depends what mood I'm in. But I do have some things which I really, really like and respect, and that will get me more or less right away. And that is when I see something being done, which I think is really easy to fuck up or make bad, and it's done mm. well. So mm. when I watch this, um, it's the kind of match that if I'd watched this maybe when I was 15, 16, I, I wouldn't have had the understanding to, to um, or, or, or the willingness, I think, to put myself into this match and commit myself to it the way I yeah. do now. Um, so for me... There's a, I think there'll be a lot of people that will watch this and think that this build-up is too slow, um, that it's lacking in um, in, in, in kind of um, um, quickness and action. Uh, but for me, um, the whole point of this is that it, it's building slowly and it's building patiently. Yeah. Um, and it gets to points later on where, you know, the, the, the contrast between this kind of um, almost gentlemanly uh, build up and the the anger and the ire that they both begin to bring out of each other a little bit more as it carries on, it gives a a, a big impact to the final well, stretch. Um, I think. Um, so I, I yeah. well, it's, it's probably good a good a time to put this in as you know, ever will be. About five o'clock today, I was fucking dreading this match, like because I watched <laughs> this and didn't like it. Right, I really didn't like it. There was, was nothing there. I like wrote like four notes and I really didn't like it. And I thought, you know what? I'm gonna give it another shake. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it again. So I literally watched it about six o'clock and I put it on. And I actually really quite enjoyed it. Like I totally yeah, different. Yeah. I think that at this point I wrote down that um I am a wrestling millennial, right? And then, <laughs> You're ruining the country. Exactly. What age are you, Daniel? Uh, I'm thirty one now. Right, I'm I'm twenty seven, right? George, you're twenty six, is that right? Are you twenty seven now? You're twenty six, right, yeah. So, uh, when I grew up, when I was watching wrestling, it was the Attitude Era. That was what I grew up with. I was conditioned yeah. to um, action all the time. Rawr, action, you know, fast paced, you know, everything was go, 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 go. And I, I have this thing, it's probably going to be quite surprising, but I don't like old wrestling, right? And when I say old wrestling, I generally mean the cut off is before I was born, right? <laughs> yeah. I try, like, the old NWA stuff, like, I watch Ric Flair, I, I love Ric Flair, right, but when I watch, yeah. like, the old NWA stuff, I prefer more for his old WCW stuff, like, later on, like, I mm-hmm. really enjoyed him yeah. with WCW as opposed to NWA. Now, there's, oh, good... oh, there's still some pretty damn great oh, yeah. stuff he has in WCW, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, so, um, but the whole point for me was that I, I, I just can't get into, like, wrestling that's done before I'm born, so 1989 yeah. isn't, isn't a steadfast yeah. rule, there's obviously a match, it's like, world of sport, I actually really enjoy world of sport, um, 
Because mm-hmm. even though it's a bit like this, there is a bit more to it. There, like, there's lots of comedy and things like that in it, and there's a bit more variety. Yeah, yeah. But when I put this on the first time, I just saw two white guys in trunks exchanging <laughs> headlocks, and I thought, this is my idea of hell, because... I mm, don't know much mm. about Bokwin. I know I know bits and bobs, as I said, but I've not watched much of his matches. I don't have that flavour for his character as other people. Similarly, Robinson, I know he's this great shooter. You know, he was in the snake pit, and obviously he is a fantastic mm. technical, you know, um, wrestler. But at that time, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, I can't, I just cannot hack this. Like, like mm. and th- there was, I, I pinpointed quite a few reasons as to why this was. So. I mean, first of all, I don't have an emotional connection. As I said, I don't know these people yeah. as much. Yeah. I don't have yeah. an emotional connection to All Japan. I wasn't, you know, watching All Japan in 1980. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't conditioned to this. Now, obviously, I love like later 90s All Japan. And I really enjoy it, but that is more of an action-packed style. But yeah. it's like, it's yeah. like grunge yeah. music, right? I hate grunge music, right? Because I was too young for <laughs> it. I missed like Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains. I hate them all, and I cannot understand them. Just because I, well, 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 if you can only listen to Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains, then you will fucking yes, hate grunge, and I wouldn't exactly. blame you. But like, all, yeah. those, all those, that sort of scene, I, I just never got it. And like, a lot of my friends of my age do get it, but I just don't have the emotional connection mm. to it. But when I watched this the second time, like, when I watched this the second time, I, I, well, when I watch matches for this podcast, I do try and focus on little, little minutia. Try to find things. I always try to take positive yeah. matches generally, but when I'm doing yeah, the podcast, yeah. I always like to have things that I want to talk about. Um, so the second time I thought, I'm going to give it another go, and I'm going to go in for level-headed. This isn't old wrestling. This is just normal wrestling. This is just, you know, this is just a match. And, yeah, yeah Robinson, like, I, I did put in some positive things at the start about, like, you know, Robinson can, transi- can transition like no one else. He's yeah. so good yeah. at transitioning from different spots and things like that. But... Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing as well is obviously because in the, the attitude era when I grew up, sorry, this is going on for so long. But no, no, I mean, no, look good. at the moves that are in this match, right? A headlock, an arm mm-hmm. ringer, a hammerlock. When, when, like, growing up in the attitude era, and now, yeah, though well, we have been conditioned to not to disregard those moves, and they, they've, yeah. they've been desensitized to the point where somebody puts on a headlock, Randy Orton being case in point. I tune out mm. because I'm used to this is a rest hold, this is you know, this is to kill yeah. time, and mm-hmm. even though with this match, the first time I was like fucking hell that they're just, they're just killing time. The second time I watched it, I, I really do not feel that this is filler. Nothing here felt like filler mm. because there was there, yeah. as you said there was a genuine struggle to this. Like there was one for example when Bockwinkel we put in I think it was a head was it a headlock or was it a head scissors where he we uses he kicks himself yeah. up yes. to get to the ropes. Yeah. Yeah. And I really loved yeah. that, and I thought mm. that was fantastic. And the thing I loved about this is that I mentioned before that I, I don't like modern submission wrestling because there was a lot of rest holds. The thing I liked about this mm-hmm. is that there was always a struggle, and there was no static holds, and no point did I ever think there was anything mm-hmm. static about these holds. Yeah. So yeah. if the person yeah. wasn't trying to get out of the hold, I don't know, kicking themselves out or trying to escape, the, the, the attacker, the person who was putting on the hold, he was wrenching the foot, he was, you know, mm-hmm. twisting yeah, the leg, yeah. um, bending it back yeah. even further. You felt that, you know, you got that sense of fucking hell. He's really, he's really thinking injuries a lot of time. Like, for example, the cross arm breaker, Alberto Del Rio. I know he keeps harping on about him, right? He's shit, though. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's shit, so right? shit. He's just on the arm breaker and just holds it, right? 
there's no point yeah. where I feel that he's trying to like at no point there's no yeah. bit where there's a switch in the intensity where it goes up even more or he pulls it back even yeah. further. And I really enjoy that. Yeah. Like Yeah, D- Daniel's just like mm. done a stretch. His arms were basically at the same angle that they are if you get put in an arm bar <laughs> by Del Rio, i.e. Exactly. like straight and you know, completely fine. Um what well, one thing I will say, I think it's an interesting point you make about um having to sort of get used to the idea that the action is in is in holds that we uh, you know modern day wrestling fans might think of as spots to kill time uh, the analogy i would make and again like i don't know how many people on uh, pwo this will make sense to but in the the difference between different forms of cricket you know you've got your you've got your your t20 games which are like for those who don't know if you don't watch cricket they last 3 hours you go and have you know, like basically everyone's trying to twat the ball out of the ground ground as as often as possible um and it's kind of one of these kind of the equivalent of like a, a popcorn match in messi you know a, a sprint and that's and that's really great but at the same time there's something nice about going to a day of the test match with your mates um, staying the hell away from the stand where everyone's basically just there to get pissed and uh, dress up like Jimmy Savile or whatever the hell it is people uh, <laughs> people do at Test cricket nowadays. Um, Jesus, you, you had me at the first part, but I was quickly turned off by the second one. Fuck. <laughs> but um, you know, there's something nice about going oh, to the Jesus. Test for a day and fuck all is happening. Really, you're just sitting there with your mates having a nice chat, and then Alistair Cook will hit a lovely four. And you'll just think all is right with the world. And that's what kind of what I feel about this match. It's like it's quite deliberate, the pacing at the start. But um, they do give you snatches of what a faster match would feel like. And they do they do tease the crowd really effectively at ramping up the pace. I think the first instance of that is when um, uh, Bockwinkle does a bit of a hair pull. And Robinson responds with the shoulder block and the sort of uh, scrappy do lemme at him pose. <laughs> and yeah, um, this yeah. soon gives yeah. way to um, one of those. Uh, uh, do, do you remember when? Um, do you remember that amazing uh, Matt Hughes uh, Frank Trigg fight in yeah, UFC? Of course. Do you remember the fucking cartwheel Matt Hughes did? You might have missed it, but like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, UFC is known for its cartwheels, but I think that's probably one of the most famous ones. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, we're, we're talking about the famous um, um, uh, Hughes Trigg fight where um, where he he, he slams him um, and he, he basically wins the match even though he's been in in the guillotine choke and he's he's half knocked out. Yeah, he's half out at the yeah, end. That yeah, that one. Yeah, Did yeah, you not yeah. notice the cartwheel? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's. Uh, I'm trying to think. It's a long time since I was, I've seen I was going to say. And I, 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 I generally only remember the finish to that fight because of how famous. I was going to say, well, so like, like the, um, I'd have to rewatch like that. the, you know, like the planchers and uh, you know the suicide dives we covered in the New Japan Yudo yeah. review. Classic shoot technique. Uh, this probably the first yeah. thing Terry Riley would have taught him at the Snake Pit. Um, <laughs> Terry, whoa, 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 whoa. Ter- Terry Riley is someone else. Who's Terry, <laughs> Terry Riley? Ter- Terry Riley is the is the famous um, uh, Buddhist influenced minimalist uh, composer. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, there is no such thing as a famous Buddhist influenced minimalist composer. Terry Riley also sounds like the guy you get pirated videos off in the pub. <laughs> Terry Riley, God. Oh, I, I, I tell you, oh, I've got I've got a belt in Terry Riley style um, uh, 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 story, right? Um, um, at, the, at the point at the shop I, I mentioned, the Extreme Central uh, uh, that I used to go to to get me wrestling stuff um, um, in Manchester when I was growing up, there was a bloke that used to come in, uh, and um, he he used to um, 
<laughs> he used to like try and sell knock off, uh, knock off uh, VHSs and that. And he'd always come in because he knew these guys uh, sold wrestling stuff. Um, and he'd go and he'd first of all try and sell them mucky films. Uh, so he'd, 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 he'd be like, oh, you know what? Uh, all right, lads, uh, I've got a couple of uh, got a couple of blue ones for you this week, and they've got no, no. Look, we only sell wrestling videos, mate. We only sell wrestling videos, like you know, we we don't need busty suckers five or whatever. Like, um, Very and like, uh, yeah, yeah. But then, but then, but then yeah, out of his like, out, out of his like, sort of slightly weathered, uh, like a uh, goaler uh, uh, sort of a uh, sports bag. Um, he's he 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 he, he, put, he go, oh no, you want wrestling, do you? I've got the best wrestler here, son. And he, he, he and he showed me, and, and it was um, it was wrestling from um, like uh, I, I honestly, <laughs> I don't know if this was a thing or he just made it up. I think he just made it up. He said it was Chinese wrestling, and he'd say, "Oh, it's Chinese wrestling. This lad, it's the best wrestling." And they'd look at him and go, "Like, do you have any Japanese stuff?" <laughs> <laughs> and he, uh, and our, our, our Terry would be like, uh, "No, but I've got lots of Chinese stuff." And I think it was just porno as well. But he was hoping that the covers looked enough like pro wrestling and you know porno pro wrestling in the 90s vhs covers there was a fair bit of oh crossover, yeah absolutely like um so uh, you know so that, that that just reminded me of that uh but yes let, let's get the distinction right between um between uh, billy riley and uh, and terry riley yes that, that uh, the, is true uh, the, the, the um so but yeah basically after this uh after the shoot style cartwheel we get a lot of um Side headlock takeover, head scissors, kip up counters, which I, I think uh, head scissors something David was alluding to earlier. Mm. And they do a bit of, considering these guys are known for, well, Robinson especially, technical prowess. The start off was a quite technical match. Suddenly yeah, they're doing sort of spots where they're running the ropes and leapfrogs and drop downs. It's it's not the most yeah. it's not the most graceful version of these, but bearing in mind this is 1980 and this isn't these guys' yeah. sort of primary wheelhouse. And, and and these are big guys. They are, well. yeah. Like you yeah. know, this isn't these these aren't junior heavyweights. These are these are big lads, like you know. Um, but yeah, like um, uh, just to sort of um uh, to to sort of pick up on that, and I guess um, I mean, I guess we've pretty much got to the point now where, where we are talking about like the um the this kind of deeper philosophy um but but behind uh, 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 this style of wrestling, and I guess wrestling in in general. Um, the way that I always kind of um 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 look at this is um. What we've just spoken about there, that, that moment when it gets ramped up and that, that, that time when things begins to, to get, you know, really impactful um, and, and speed up a little bit. Um, for me, if you just have that in isolation and that's the whole match, um, that, that's nothing to me. That isn't a match, right? Um, it's it, it has to have, it doesn't have to be done the exact way that they do it in this match. There's no prescribed rule about how you do the work before that to make it effective, but those moments there before that that are, are almost the kind of um, the quiet before the storm with a little bit of rain just you know beginning uh, to, to filter through it at some moments uh, with terrible thing therefore but you know like um, that to me is really important and I think that and, and I'm speaking to someone here who like maybe it's just because my interests kind of converge in this way but um, I kind of have the same approach to watching these kind of matches as I have to watching say like old films. Or if I'm reading um, um, uh, a book about history, um, you know, trying to put myself very much, uh, you know, in the shoes of the people that are watching it at the time and in the context that it takes place in, yeah. right? You know, um, you go into an art gallery now and fucking, I don't know, Picasso just looks like Picasso. It's on a million fucking mugs, right? Same with Pollock or whatever, right? But like at the time, that that's like the fucking universe being tipped on its yeah. head. Like, yeah. you know, that's yeah. that's absolutely insane shit to people. Now, I'm not saying that this has the same cultural import or that it's um, quite the same revolutionary break with form that those things were. That's no, better. 
uh, <laughs> at, at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, like, um, there is a sense to me that you have to put yourself in the position of people watching it at the time. And I, I, and this might sound crazy to some people, I try and judge a match from 1980 by the standards of 1980. Mm. Yeah. Like, um, and yeah. that's not something which a lot of people agree with when it comes to wrestling. I know that. That's not a position that a lot of people um, necessarily it's, agree it's, with. It's totally understandable. That's how I It's not something I do. It's not something I disagree with. It's just yeah. something that personally yeah. I, you know, I, I can view matches from different times and, you know, I, you know, I, I, I can view them and I still view them as like watching it now, but... Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. appreciate why, and it would certainly help. Certainly, if you're watching like old Lucha and things like that before, like you had, um, you know, like in the nineties when they had like you know Juventud and Ray and all that coming in, and they yeah. they made that more high flying style. If you're watching stuff before then, there's not really as much high flying style there because it's a lot of it yeah. was like Ultimo Guerrero and Atlantis. Not those were sort of like Titanico, Dandy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's a really good example. Like, again, yeah, exactly. So. As I say, I'm not being prescriptive. I'm not saying that if you don't watch a match in context, you're not watching wrestling correctly. That's 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 not what I'm saying at all. But it's just that for me, because um, that's kind of the way my my brain works when I when I analyze things just automatically because that's the way I am. Um, so I understand that it, this this won't be for everyone, but I do implore everyone to maybe um, you know David made a good a good argument there before for for if you don't get into it the first time, watch it again. Like you know, it's yeah. like. Um, how many of how many of your favorite albums that you that you that, did you just you listen to the first time and think ah oh, I'm not into well, that for me quite a lot of them like I had to maybe go back and listen again and 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 it sounds really pretentious and fucking wank but work at it a little bit yeah. like you know um, and try and get over some of my prejudices and not be put off you know so that's all I'm saying I, everyone it's a I have an example of this it's an example George will not know at all whatsoever. But, Jano, do you know the band Inset Warfare, the grindcore band? I yeah, hated course. them at yeah, first. Yeah. I thought they were yeah, yeah, utterly yeah. dreadful. I was like, what the fuck is this vocalist mm. about? And for a while, I, didn't, I really didn't like them at all. Yeah, the, the vocals are pretty they divisive. Are, they're pretty divisive. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? Even, even for grindcore. Exactly. And then, like, one time I just listened to the full album, and I just it just clicked. I was like, right, I've got this, I've done, I, I know. And it was incredible. And it's now one of my favourite albums, but I always yeah. remember the... First couple of times listening to Inset Warfare, I was like, I'm not, nah, I don't like this, this is dreadful, I'm just fucking dread, horrible. But yeah, it, you do you, you do need to put some works in sometimes, absolutely. The the, the thing you said about uh, context, actually, um, just, just bring me to, um, there's there's a bit where, there's quite a few toeholds in this match. I mean, you think nowadays a toehold, no one would buy it as a, um, as a legit finisher. But like, toeholds are quite deadly, thanks to uh, the Funk Brothers, especially uh, Dory. Um, but there's a great bit where um, Botwinkle tries to capitalise with a spinning toehold and he gets a leg lock and then when uh, Robinson turns onto his front to try and counter it, Botwinkle turns it into the figure four, which is a really nice transition. And here we see an example of what we were talking about back in episode five. Um, the figure four is by no means, um, I mean, it wasn't the sort of hold that, for example, you would... Um, you would use to tap out uh, feared shoot style exponent Nobuhiko Takada in an incredibly disappointing Tokyo Dome main event. Not that we are still bitter about this in any way, shape, or form. Mm, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. it was just it was just a hold. And um, there's around about this point in the match, there's some uh, things start to get a bit more heated. There's things like um, slaps, forearms, trying to you're not trying to get out of holds by um transitioning out you're basically just trying to mm. just trying to hit them until they decide that <laughs> trying to make you submit to that hold isn't worth the hassle there's also um 
lovely falling pile driver from Botwinkle uh, for a two count. Yeah. Like that's one thing that um, they they do a really good job at spacing out the moves uh, like this and peppering the latter stages of the match with sort of. Uh, more and more, there's also an Irish curse backbreaker um, at one, at one <laughs> yeah, point I, by I, uh, by Robinson, that. I think. Mm. Uh, that that was quite mm. that was quite oh. good as well. That was really key to the match because I noticed that that was the point where his mm. knee went. So like it was on the yes. back yeah. and then the knee gave out, and at that point, Bob yeah. just honed in, laser focus on the knee, and I thought, yeah, I, mm. that that was really good, and I like the fact that they went on from mm. there. Yeah, I mean, one mm. thing I would say is. I don't think Bockwinkel's work on the knee in this match was anywhere near as interesting as his work on the arm in the early stages. I don't know what... That's interesting. Yeah. No, no, yeah. I, I would agree, yeah. yeah the, mar- the, the arm work was better than the knee work, certainly, later on. But I, I still I still enjoyed the fact that he, he was able to prey on that weakness. He spotted it, and immediately it was on the knee. And I really liked yeah. it. the urgency about it. Yeah, and he and he yeah. he, he yeah. sells it really well as well. His uh, leg gives out on an attempted body slam uh, right near the end. Again, a body slam would have been a pretty big move uh, back in back in these days. I've seen matches from uh, you know as, as around this time, or certainly the late seventies, where a body slam would have got you a fall, a fall. Just you know, just yeah. just a, just an award like fucking Jackie Polo in ICW would have been a multi-time world champion in this era. <laughs> yeah, he had the scoop yeah. slam city yeah. chance. Um, oh my goodness! Um, uh, like, uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I was gonna, um, I was gonna mention this earlier, so maybe we might, maybe have to splice this in. Uh, 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 but while it's still in my mind again, you've just reminded me. Um, you know how earlier, David, you were talking about, um, you, you were chatting to your, your granddad about the wrestling. He mentioned, uh, oh, you know, uh, Johnny yeah. Kid. Um, I've got a similar story about that, uh, but uh, on a, but from a slightly earlier generation generation of um, of, of British wrestlers. Um, so. I was chatting to my, my my dad, right? My dad is not so... As he's gotten older, um, and as he's sort of occasionally seen me watching other types of wrestling that wasn't the Attitude Era stuff I was watching, or ECW when I was a kid, because that's very much not my dad's kind of thing. Is um, He's not a man that likes some um, kind of um, ultra-violence or, or crude, um, you know, uh, 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 crude stuff. Um, I think he viewed the Attitude Era, whenever I was watching it on, 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 on TV at home, as kind of just being this... Um, you know, I think he thought, why on earth are you, are you watching this, son? Like, you know, what, you know, he, he thought he thought it was kind of just antithetical to everything he, he'd raised me uh, to believe in. I think, you know, the trophy, the Trade trophy. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, you know, he, he wanted me to be watching like you know classic replays of um, of Stanley Matthews FA Cup finals, uh, and what I was watching instead was fucking like you know turgid shootouts from the very depths of the football uh, <laughs> trophy. But um, no. So I, I remember a few years ago, um, he, he's a bit more um, kind of chilled out about wrestling now. And I think he understands that, um, that, that it, it's such a wide thing now. And I watch so much of it that he kind of gets it a bit more. Um, but we, he wants, um, there was a good documentary on the BBC not long ago. Um, um, you know, a basic overview, but half decent documentary. Uh, but I think it was called Gr- Grappling Grunts and Bannies. That's Bannies, the one, yeah. Maybe? yeah. Golden <laughs> Age Wrestling. God. Yeah, but, when wrestling was gold, yeah, gold age of wrestling, yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's not a perfect documentary by any stretch of the imagination, but for a beginner's intro of British wrestling, it's kind of okay. Um, and he said, oh, you sh-, he texted me and said, oh, you should watch this. Um, it's, it's on tonight, you know. Um, uh, oh, oh, I think I said, oh, it's, it's a repeat. I've already seen it. And he rang me up later on. We were just chatting about other things, and he uh, he said, oh, so do you watch that wrestling thing? 
I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, it was all right. Yeah, yeah. And he said, oh, he goes, um, uh, you know, cause there's a whole thing in that documentary about this famous series of matches between Jackie Palo, because yes. you mentioned Jackie Polo yeah. earlier, uh, you know, uh, Jackie Palo um, and, um, and Mick McManus. And these are very famous matches that they had, I think, at the Albert Hall. Yes. Um, um, uh, in which they, they kicked the shit out of each other because they legitimately hated each other in real life. And um, and the, the two of them at a certain points are just nutting each other. Like they're just head... It's a horrible bloody mess by the end of it. Really nasty looking match. I've never seen the actual full tape of it anywhere, actually. I've never seen it. But I've seen the clips. And my dad just sort of nonchalantly um, said, oh, he goes, you know, I never told you this, but um, when I was younger, I didn't really remember it until now, but um, your uh, your grandma used to take me to see the wrestling at Bellevue, which was like a, a greyhound race course in Manchester, but also um, had, had other sports going on in it as well. Uh, and I said, all right. I said, did you ever see anyone sort of that, that I might know or anything, you know? And he went, oh, I went, um, I'm trying to think now. He goes, um, oh, actually, he goes, yeah, they did take me to one I remember. It was, uh, what was his, uh, Jackie, um, Jackie Palo, he was on. And I went, oh, I was like, that's pretty good. It, it, it was the upper gates. He went, oh, what you call the bloke with the um, with the ears? Didn't like his funny <laughs> hair. You know, I went, Mick McManus. And he went, I went, you saw Palo versus McManus. And he was like, oh yeah, yeah. He went, but I think I just buggered off to get an ice cream or something. I wasn't really interested. And I was like, oh, you, oh, like, oh. Like, you know, like, it seems to remind oh. me. Of, this is a very strange, uh, very strange comparison, but it makes me think of. Um, my uncle, right? My uncle is like the biggest Led Zeppelin fan you've ever met in your life. He is like a super fan. Like he yeah. he bought tickets to go see them for the O2 at like an extortionate rate, and then won two of them. Like he got, he won them, so he had like two spare tickets. That's how big a fan he did two spare tickets to Led Zeppelin. But he what? But his his daughter was a big One Direction fan. So for for Christmas he bought her all of the One Direction figures. And she, like, she's like, oh my god, it's great. And ripped open the boxes and chucked them away. He was playing about with them. And I've seen his face drop. Because I know that if, that if somebody had done, if that was Led Zeppelin, and somebody had done that with those figures, he would have lost his mind. He'd have been like, that's a collector's item. Stop fucking putting me in the collector's item. How and dare he, like, you? he knows that in like 45 years, there's going to be some weird One Direction fanboy who's looking for that. And he knows that it's just wrecked. And you can see the hatred in his eyes for his own daughter and fucking do this. It was so funny. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. So I just thought I'd, I'd pop that in there. Yeah, so um, end of the match is... Um, so, as we said, Robinson's leg gives out on this attempted body slam. And there's a very nice uh, butterfly suplex from uh, Robinson, which was... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think his main finisher... Um, certainly his, his yeah, main uh, yeah. his main grappling finisher, and uh, then we get the uh, giant barber foreign stars facing each other in the eighties special. In that we get a double shoulder block, and then we get a time limit draw with them uh, slugging it out against each other. Which I think mm. is there's probably I think there's two great ways to get to a time limit draw, and one of them is, is with it, is on. it by having a twenty nine minutes and fifty three second runtime and the first image being a thirty minute time limit. <laughs> Because <laughs> the second I said, I was like, fucking hell, 29 minutes. And then he came up, 30 yeah. minute time. I'm like, well, I know how this one is going. <laughs> Don't need to be quite to figure out this mystery. Uh, but, but, but yeah, like, it's, um, I think there's two great ways to get to a time limit draw. And the first one is with, like, just utter exhaustion. Them absolutely fucked on the mat, like, um, mm. together. And uh, actually, three great ways. Another one with, like, 
the the heel sort of in a submission and the time limit expires, or yeah. the face in the submission, the time limit expires, and you know either showing uh, you know valiant uh, valiant behaviour in terms of the the face resisting the pain, or you know I'll get him next time in the terms of the heel just about escaping with the title. And the other one I like is just the fucking necro butcher ice hockey fight um, ending to a time limit <laughs> draw, where the the um, basically the time goes like no come on lads you've had enough. You've got homes to go to. Um, <laughs> and them just going, no, no, and just doing the fucking punches uh, to the side of the head with each other. That's that's basically how this one ends. Uh, I really liked it. I know there's some people who they can't really get on with uh, time limit draws as, as a finish. They prefer something a bit more conclusive. I didn't particularly mind it in this instance. I think they sometimes they can be a bit tepid. Um, but I think they were, they built this one mm. really well, and you did get the feeling that it was a clash of equals, and that it could have gone either way on another day. So I didn't the mind fir- it too much. The, f- yeah. the first time yeah. I watched this, this result actually infuriated me. Right, I was so annoyed by it. Right, and the reason was is that, as you mentioned, that the last three minutes is just a proper scrap. They just like totally go for mm. it, and it was like. I was like, where the fuck was that for another 27 minutes? I was like, where's that intensity that I, I wanted you to just scrap and fight all the time? But watching it the second time around, it really didn't feel like 30 minutes. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. And like at the end, I kind of I rationalised it a bit more, going, right, they've just got to the end of their terror. They're just going to scrap it out. And a headmaster knows that Jerry Adams is going to come in and break them up and take them away for detention. Like, <laughs> it, it was it was great. It, it was, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Like, yeah, the first time I hated it, the second time I loved it, which shows you, as you said, you need to watch things a second time sometimes to get a real Yeah, yeah sometimes, yeah. If you have a long match and the action is great, you don't mind it so much. And if anyone's think, if anyone's thinking, oh, you know, thirty minutes isn't uh, isn't such a long time, uh, watch an it episode really of is. Mrs. Brown's Boys and then get back to me. <laughs> See how long thirty fucking minutes seems then. Oh, well, Jesus. I mean, this is a thing that I yeah. I really find annoying with like modern day, especially in New Japan. New Japan do this a lot. Um, I was actually when I, when we were going for like episode, we we're going for like episode six. I remember I was talking about. Um, about old Japan when they had like like matches that went like five minutes, usually involving Akiyama being humbled by someone, but and, and saving Noah. But like I hate the fact that like New Japan and the main event style now, they always go like thirty five minutes, and it doesn't need to because the first ten fifty minutes is just you know it's just pissing about, and like I would much that like people have lost a lot of people have lost the art of having. A, sh- a good short match. I mean, you look at fucking like X Pac Owen Hart or that Zang Victor Zangief string of Hashimoto. Yeah. Exactly. Like those matches are fantastic and all like five six minutes. Like you can have really great matches and have it be shorter. And like I don't feel that this and that was another preconception I had when I went in. Was like, oh fuck, it's old wrestling. It's headlocks. They're gonna just they're, they're gonna go Broadway and I'm gonna fucking hate it because. I can't. I can't. Be, I don't. I can't be bothered watching people for like forty-five minutes. Like you know, give me. I, I like to be in and out. It's you know, um. But the second time this, you know, I didn't feel it thirty minutes at all. I think this one just shows like if like you're saying about some of these new new Japan matches. You're not a great fan of. Um, if you, it doesn't matter what length the match is, as long as you make all the action good. And you make it in keeping with you know whatever vibe you want to go for, whether it's a, a slow paced, quite cerebral technical battle, or one of these mad shit shoot star matches where they just kick fuck out of each other for for five minutes. You know, like make the work good. That seems uh, seems quite uh, simplistic, 
But honestly, like I've seen matches which have gone. Uh, there's a match on the uh, gigantic Misawa box set I have, which is Misawa versus Kabashi from 1999, and it goes about 40 minutes. And oh, it's a good match, but the first 20 minutes are honestly quite dull and don't have much to do with the rest of the match. And this is Misawa and Kabashi, yeah, two of the best wrestlers of all time. And even them, when given 40 minutes to play with, sometimes it isn't that good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't want us to get into too much depth about this because I think we should probably maybe have this as a separate episode at some point. Um, but I, I, I would even, you know, my sensibilities even um, get a little bit um, offended by some of the stuff in the uh, the much vaunted six star Omega Okada match from the last Wrestle Kingdom. Um, I, I genuinely felt that there was uh, parts of the early portion of that. And I won't go as far as some people because I know some people have said that the the first part of the match you could almost entirely do away with and. I'm not sure if I'd go that far, but there's certainly parts of it where... I remember when I started watching it, um, I, I disagree with some people who said, oh, there was no heat in the first part of the match. I thought the crowd were yeah. into it. But I personally wasn't really that engaged for the first um, 15 minutes. Are you, are you saying Tesco uh, are talking shite? <laughs> I, I am. I am officially saying that other brands are available are talking shite. Uh, like, uh, you, you, but you know, you, do you know yeah, what I mean? So I, I think exactly it is a mean. problem. Yeah. It's the, it can be a problem even to this day, and I think you're right to call out New Japan's current style for it because um, well, I another good example was um, I mean I watched I might be wrong I didn't actually time this but I watched um, Riddle versus um, Shibata. Oh, I was there live for that Pro recently. Yeah, I mean God, I wish I'd been able to have gone to that in the end because um, I loved that match. Uh, that was that's one of the best matches I've seen all year, um, and. In my head, I didn't feel that it felt that it was particularly long. It may have been. It was about 15 minutes. I, I'm not sure. Okay, so yeah, there you go. So why can't we have a main event these days that is a great 15-minute match like that? Because to me, that match had just about everything I want in a in a great main yeah. event of a wrestling match in it. Um, and I didn't. I, I wouldn't have wanted them. It's like when you go and see a band, right? Like um, if you go and see like um, uh, you know. It's great to go and see a fucking Springsteen gig or whatever where he's playing for four or five hours because you've paid 50 quid. Fuck knows, I'm, I'm, if you've paid that much, I'm gonna, I want him to give me my money's worth. But, you know, when I was younger, I used to go into, like, hardcore bands mm. or whatever. Some of the greatest, like, most life-changing moments of my life were standing in front of a fucking, like, uh, room above a pub seeing a band come on and play 10, 15-minute exactly. sets. Exactly. Um, I'm the exact same. They play about 20 songs in that time, but you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and, and they leave the stage. I didn't want a fucking encore. When I go and see bands, I don't I don't want encores, right? Like, the only band I've ever seen that I wanted an encore for was Fugazi, and they did fucking three, and they're allowed because they're Fugazi, okay? <laughs> like, that's fine. Like, that's so They can do what the fuck they want. I, th- I, th- okay, that's okay. I think that, like, you know what be- I mean? before, just before we sum up on this match and, uh, and move on, um, I will say that before that match, uh, the Riddle Shibata match, uh, in London, I saw Matt Riddle and Nando's in Bethnal Green. <laughs> I only s- assume yeah. he had been suckered in by seeing a bottle that just said lemon and herb and assuming <laughs> something different from what yeah. it actually is. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure about what the laws were for, for, for weed in, in, in this part of the world. Yeah, And some of our friends ended up in the pub with him after. See, oh man! Oh, I wish I, I could have hooked him up, man. If we'd hung out in the pub afterwards, man, that would have been a great meeting of the well, probably not the minds, but <laughs> <laughs> the, a meeting of the deterioration of the brain cells <laughs> for, for varying reasons. Um, so yeah, have we got yeah. um any before we go on to Tarimon? Uh, any more thoughts about uh, this match summing up, or do you feel we've uh, covered it all? I've got I've no, got I'm, one, I'm I've got one or two minor final thoughts. I I kind of covered most of it earlier on in my big tirade for about ten minutes, but um. I kind of boiled this down like um, I, I've told you my two my two criteria with which I measure all wrestling matches. I think I've told you about them before. I've certainly mentioned one of them. 
But my two criteria are, does it make me feel like I'm nine years old, right? Because that's peak zen. That's the moment where you don't you don't realise that you've got lots of credit card debt and you're going to have a heart attack in like 10 years and like your job is shit and you hate your life. And yeah, it's that moment where like, remember when you're nine years old and everything was great and things were amazing and everything was amazing. That, if a wrestling match can get me to that and make me feel like I'm nine years old again, I love it. Or, or alternatively, if it gives me something original, so something I've never seen before, then I will always plaud it, give it its plaudits, and I'll always, you know, say I like it because it gave me something yeah. I've not seen before. On the first scale, this failed fucking miserably, right? Yeah. Because my nine-year-old self would have hated this so much, like so, so, so much. Oh, oh so, so would yeah, mine. Exactly. So, so, so on so that mine. one, that's... Yeah. You know that you know it fails miserably, and that's okay because in the second one, it was fantastic. It was like it's some of the best. Like I said nothing was static. There was no static moves, and even though they were able to use like headlocks and arm ringers and things like that, things that I am preconditioned to just ignore and not take seriously, and they managed to work them in a in a way which made them seem alive and you know, more more moving than I'm used to. There was lots of, you know, lots of toing and throwing, and he did a really good job with it. So it gave me something I've never seen before. So I can't say this wasn't a success. So yeah. I, I... Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm really happy with that. Like, because um, at the end of the day, like, um, I, I wasn't expecting, like, you know, um, uh, everyone to agree and, and, and say it was brilliant or anything like that. But, like, uh, just just the idea that, like, uh, that, you know, you've, you've at least on one of your scales, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It, it's registered. So that's that's good enough that's, for me, definitely. Nice. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah.
Now you may remember, or on the other hand you may not, that last May we had a report on how video piracy is linked to drugs, pornography and even organised crime in Northern Ireland. Did no good. Drugs, pornography and organised crime still flourish and indeed matters may even be getting worse. Recently Disney reported that not only are at least one million pirated copies of The Lion King circulating in Britain, but that piracy accounts for up to 30% of all Disney's film cassette sales in Britain. Which explains why, if you've been to the cinema lately, you may have seen this. I'm off. Oh, I've got that video Rebecca wanted. Only cost a fiver from that bloke down the market. Great. It's not even out yet. She'll love it. I know. See you later. Mm. Okay, if you're still not impressed by that, try looking at it this way. Each pirate video you buy could contribute to your child shooting up in the school lavatory. Stop. You know what you want to do with that, right? You want to put a banging donk on it. 